Welcome to season five of Coffee Pods, a coffee break length look at the Christian healing ministry. During Advent, we're taking a reflective journey in exploring how we can heal our image of God, self and others. So, whether you're a gingerbread latte, a spiced cappuccino or an Americano, there's something here for you. So grab your coffee mug, put in your earbuds and let's go. In this second coffee pod centred around the theme of healing our image, we're looking at healing our image of God. And it's a fundamental issue to our understanding ourselves and the world we inhabit. So what is God like for you? How do you see him? And it's true that we generally see God in our imagination, funnily enough. It's a bit like the little girl who's drawing a picture and her mum comes up and says, oh, what are you drawing? And she says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she says, well, sweetie, nobody has seen God. Nobody knows what he looks like. To which the little girl said, well, they will when I finish this drawing. And it was Voltaire, the French philosopher and writer in the 17th and 18th century, who is quoted as saying, in the beginning, God created man in his own image. And man has been trying to repay the favour ever since. So the question is, what is God like? How do you see him? And we can often give the right answer to say what we think the right concepts of God are, because sometimes it's easier than perhaps answering the question that was actually asked, which is, what is God like for you? Because it's an experiential question, not just simply a factual one. Now, when I ask myself that question, I am not wanting to change anything about who he is that is right and true and biblical and absolutely the nature of God. I'm working towards understanding what is regulating my view of him and how I live in the reality of that. So it is perhaps more helpful to ask the question in this way, and it's one of the questions that comes out of Ignatian spirituality. And the question is this, what face does God wear as he stands before you right now? Is it one of understanding? Or do you feel there are marks of frustration in it? Is there a sense of compassion? Or do you think that he's cross with you? Is he delighted? Or is he disappointed? Do you get the idea that he is planning for your best or expecting the worst of you? Is there intent in his eyes? Or does he appear disinterested and not bothered? As God stands before you, do you get the idea that he's saying, come? Or is he saying, go? Is he saying, we're really glad you're here? Or is he saying, why have you come? What face 
does God wear as he stands before you right now? And perhaps it's a question to dwell on when this coffee pod is over. Or you could do it just now. You could just switch me off and I'll wait right here until you come back. If you did switch me off for a moment, then welcome back. But if you wanted to know me and know about me, it would be best to ask the one person who knows me better than I often know myself. And yes, that person is my wife, Mary. Uh, Because she's not simply an observer, but she is someone who experiences and shares my life as I do the same for her. So let's ask Jesus to tell us about the Father. Let us look at him through the eyes of Jesus. In fact, uh, the Apostle John, commenting on what he observed when Jesus said these words, records it like this. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. It's John chapter 1, verse 18. And so... This idea that we should get our information about God from God. We should ask Jesus to show us the Father, as the disciples do frequently. So, in Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 21 to 23, Luke records this moment from eyewitness testimony. And it reads like this. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. And then from there on goes the genealogy of that line of Jesus' uh, heritage. There's a great deal of insight in this short passage into the God and Father of Jesus, as Brennan Manning often describes God as being. And in seeing the way that they are together gives us a clue as to how God regards us too. Just look at the language. You are my son. And the very idea of that is is amazing, isn't it? That the God uses the word my. He has a sense of connection, of, of, of a possessiveness, of a valuing. You are my son. And he has that about Jesus. But you think about the things that God then calls my, my name, my word, my house, my glory, my church, my people, And you and I get included in this. He says, you are my 
son. And just think about the position that that indicates, the way that the father and the son are connected together. It's a very different thing, isn't it, between family that you know and and are part of you and an acquaintance that you might just acknowledge occasionally in the street. When Mary and I were first uh, married, as many married couples are, we didn't have a lot of money, and somebody took pity on us and bought us theatre tickets. And I remember arriving at the theatre and then as you do, discovering that it was mainly a black tie event. Now, um, as I say, we didn't have a lot of money and I was wearing the blue suit that I was married in and Mary had a a rather nice uh, long dress. And I remember walking down the red carpet at the side of the theatre towards our seats, which were towards the front. And, you know, it's that sort of carpet that you almost sink knee deep into and feeling a little out of place until in that moment, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And he said, Wes, you are my son. And I remember in those moments feeling 10 feet tall as we simply took our seats, feeling as if the whole thing had been arranged just for us. That sense of affirmation from the Father. And with that, we stop working hard at being acceptable to God because we're already accepted. He says, you are my son whom I love. And if you think then about the passion that the father has for the son and God chooses to describe Jesus by personal, relational and divine emotional terms. This is not about role or performance, because at this moment, Jesus has done nothing. No ministry, no message, no miracle. There's been no healing. There's been no raising from the dead. But Jesus has just been pleasing to the Father all the way through. My son whom I love. And, And God then amplifies that with the very words, with whom I am well pleased. And the word pleased is the word eudokeo. And it means to approve of, to think good of to be favourably inclined towards this pleasure of the Father. God is and can be delighted. And, you know, I think God is often more delighted with us, with you, than we often think he is. Because God only has one way of loving. It's the way that he loved Jesus. And it is now the way that he loves you as well. And and that gives us confidence because, if you like, Jesus is God's WYSIWYG. And you're thinking, is that Greek? Well, no, it's the acronym for what you see is what you get. Because remember, Jesus says to the disciples, as they often ask him the question, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen what God is like. You've seen the Father. And of course, this ability to love, we experience that as parents. And actually, can I say, even now as grandparents, you know, whether your kids get it right or get it wrong, whether they mess up, whatever happens, you still have that deep place of love that is not changed by performance or conduct or success or failure because they are your children, my son, my daughter. 
And of course, even more so as grandparents, you have this amazing pride in your grandchildren, but you have the added advantage of not having to clear up any of the mess afterwards. And I really love the way that this little snippet of scripture ends. It says that he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. And then the scripture goes on to outline the genealogy that came from Joseph's line. And you know, it made me think just for a moment how often there are things that restrict us, the assumptions that other people have about who we are and what we think we should be towards them. And it's lovely that God loves us not because we do anything and not because we've become anything. We're already the children that he loves. And so in these moments, there are some lovely truths. If we could see God through the eyes of Jesus, if we could see the Father through his relationship with Jesus, an amazing thing in itself. And of course, knowing who the God and Father of Jesus really is does set me free to let him love me in the way that I see that he loves Jesus. As the Father has loved me, says Jesus, so I have loved you. And and John records those words in his gospel. And so this incredible thing about how do you see God I've chosen to look at the Father through what he was like with Jesus because that's the place that I have now because of all that Christ has done for me. It's what Paul describes as being in Christ. I get to be loved by the Father in exactly the same way that he loves his Son. So here's the and nows for you to carry away with you. You might want to take time to ask yourself the question, what face does God wear as he stands before you now? And you might want to reflect on why you see it that way, for good and perhaps for not so good. But then ask the member of the Godhead that you relate to the most, and and we all have one, you know, Jesus is the natural place or the spirit or the father, but ask the member of the Godhead that you relate to most to introduce you to the other two. Thirdly, you could just take this passage from Luke chapter 3, verse 22, and you could read it out loud, but put your own name in it. Wes, you are my son. Amy, you are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And it might be good just to say those words over you once a day for a week. Also, why not just accept the fact that God doesn't have a problem with you? He's not mad with you. I love the little girl who was writing down, um, you know, as, as children do, what, you know, what their week was like and what they'd learned. And she said, I've learned this. Never let your mum brush your hair when she's mad at your dad. Accept the fact that God doesn't have a problem with you. 
And finally, remember that the God and Father of Jesus loves you in exactly the same way as he loves his only begotten Son. Now there's a thought. So let's just pray together. And if you found these podcasts helpful, you can help others find them by giving us a like on iTunes. And we would love to hear your thoughts about Coffee Pods and what issues you would like us to cover in the future. So there's a simple two-minute survey on the ACORN website, www.acornchristian.org, and you can have your say too. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us in exactly the same way that you love your Son, Jesus. And so please help us to see you in the way that Jesus sees you, to see you through his eyes. And thank you for your love now upon us, body, mind and spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Coffee Pod. We hope that you have found it enriching and inspiring. For information on our events, how to get involved and how to support ACORN, check out www.acornchristian.org. See you next week and don't forget, have a very Merry Christmas.